Hello there, my little jelly beans. This is Chris Abalo's Podcast Experiment, and I am Chris Abalo. Welcome to yet another episode where I am going to rant just a little bit. This is a pretty linear rant, and uh, that's mainly inspired by the fact that I've just, uh, there's just been a few things I've been taking in lately, and I have some thoughts about various items regarding the future. Now, this is partly informed by the fact that back in May, there was an episode of The Only Podcast That Matters, where we talked about the future, what's going to happen in our lifetime, beyond our lifetime, and all of that, which mostly explored technology and maybe a few social progressions or regressions, depending how you look at it. And as has been a recurring theme on The Only Podcast That Matters, we talked about in actually an upcoming episode, this Friday's episode, Mancast, which is hilarious. So make sure you check that out. We talked about the recurring theme of porn, which we've pretty much always talked about here and there because the show consists of mainly guys most of the time with the occasional female guest. But one of the things we talk about this week is how porn is something, and I'm not spoiling anything by bringing it up now. Perhaps you've even already heard the episode. What we talk about is, and actually it's a topic that I brought up, the fact that Porn is something that's a part of every guy's life. All guys look at it, all men, all young men, probably old men, if they know how to find it, look at porn. They do. They look at it because it's so readily available on the internet. And one of the things we've talked about many times throughout the almost three years of the show is how we think porn on the internet skews young men's perception of sexuality and sexual behavior because they may see something that happens in a porn and they actually think that's what it's like in a world where social media is so prevalent and you're more often than not communicating with people online and not face-to-face or maybe you're using FaceTime or Skype or some kind of app where you're communicating with the person. That's maybe close to being first-person interaction, but it's not exactly first-person interaction. So The opinion of particularly Andrew and myself has been that guys, young men who don't have any sexual experience probably look at porn and think that this is how it goes. Whereas when we were growing up in the 80s or let's say the 90s when we were teenagers and there wasn't streaming porn on the internet where maybe you had a friend who had a Playboy or a Hustler or a penthouse issue or something like that and you looked at that and you can see the naked female form, or maybe <laughs> you had, you knew somebody who had an old VHS tape, and I'm saying you, meaning me, but you may have known somebody who had an old VHS tape or had acquired something maybe uh, by sneaking it out of a video store, one of those back rooms. If you remember video stores, they used to have back rooms where you had to go through a curtain and there were porn videos everywhere where you can rent. And on occasion, you might be able to sneak in or one friend would stand guard. Ah, Gone are the days. Don't you miss those bygone days, the bygone era of timepieces and having to sneak behind a curtain to look at naked women getting plowed on a porn box? <laughs> no, just kidding. We didn't have timepieces then. But anyway, here's where I'm going with this. And, and stick with me because there actually is kind of a, a social point, I think, to be made with all this. I wonder if teenagers now, let's say a kid who was born in the, in the 21st century, First of all, they've all seen porn. They've all seen hardcore porn because it's so available and because there aren't really any 
restrictions. It's not as if you need to sign in on most sites or anything like that. Teenagers have seen hardcore pornography at this point. Any kid who is an age that begins with a one, they've seen hardcore pornography on the internet. And it makes me wonder how that's going to influence relationships, period, in the future. Because whether we want to admit it or not, sex is usually a motivator for things, or at least has been in the past. Whether it's you want to be proficient at something. Let's say you want to play guitar, (laughs) taking a page from my own life. If you want to be a really great guitar player or you want to impress someone in some way, sports, perfect example, not one that I can relate to, but I know a lot of guys, you want to be one of the best sports players or just a a star athlete of some kind. And that's a way, as far as guys go, obviously this is coming from a completely biased point of view because I've only ever been a male, but guys want to do things to impress women, to hopefully... Ultimately, especially when you're a teenager, to to get some kind of physical gratification out of it, especially back then when we didn't know what it was and we didn't know what things necessarily looked like, maybe to a certain degree, but any kind of old school 70s or 80s porn was very tame compared to now. I I could say that for sure. I definitely think it was a little more, I hate to use the term vanilla, but it, it kind of was, even if it was something that was totally uncensored. Now, I'm not talking about like the late night Skinamax or HBO flicks where that you wouldn't actually see any penetration or anything like that. You just kind of see naked bodies uh, moving against each other and <laughs> people making really ridiculous faces. All those movies you saw Shannon tweet in when you were a kid or that I saw Shannon tweet in when I was a kid. But getting back to the point that I was trying to make, I don't know if there's going to be that pursuit down the line where you want to impress a woman to get some kind of sexual gratification because any teenage boy right now might say, hey, wait a minute. I have all this stuff at my disposal. I've got two good hands. Girls aren't worth the hassle. And I think that's a legitimate concern because without having that motivator of, ooh, I can find a way to get off with somebody, there are probably guys who just might not bother because they think, eh, women aren't worth the hassle, especially when you're a teenager and everybody is awkward and if you're not necessarily popular or don't already have some kind of female draw. Like I said, I'm saying this completely from a biased point of view. You might not worry about trying as hard to impress anybody because you figure, well, look, I can look at all I need to see. I don't need to experience it necessarily. I can just look at it. That's cool. And considering how overall increasingly lazy younger generations are, and here we go, a grandpa Balo is going to get on his soapbox and complain about back in my day and kids today and all that other stuff. But seriously, I mean, kids don't even walk anymore. They all have wheels on the the heel of their sneaker, and they just skate around. You see it all the time in stores. It drives me out of my friggin' mind. It probably bothers at least a few of you because they don't. They can't even walk. They need to skate around aisles. If there's a, a tile floor anywhere, or probably even if there's not, if it's concrete, whatever. If you're out at the mall or you're out at Target or somewhere, then at the grocery store, you're seeing some kid skate around. And uh, not actually having to walk, which is ridiculous. But I think as kids are getting lazier and they want that instant gratification because everything's at their fingertips. They have a smartphone where they can get on the internet or they can download music, purchase music legally and have it immediately. Or they can watch anything on demand thanks to Netflix or even cable providers that offer stuff on demand. I wonder if they're going to want to put the effort into something as primal as impressing a woman. I really wonder if that's something that's 
going by the wayside. Maybe not now, and I'm not saying with this particular generation, but I'm just thinking overall, is it something that's going to decay over time? And there's another element of this when I look at as far as the future is concerned when it comes to uh, kids. And we've touched on it over the last year and a half or so, I think, since the whole Occupy movement started. Actually, it's probably been longer than that, I think, that this has all been going on. But there's this concept, and it's the same thing when it comes to a certain generation and what their expectations are, especially with this participant trophy generation where there are no losers and everybody's just as good as everybody else and there's no bullying because we've expanded the the width and depth of what bullying means. So now there's nobody's making fun of each other at all whatsoever and nobody's a loser. Everybody's a winner. Everybody gets a fair shake in every regard. And unfortunately, since a lot of these kids are going to grow up and work for adults who didn't grow up that way, they're going to have to realize at some point that they're going to get fired. They're going to make mistakes or slip up at some point and are going to have to deal with the consequences and sometimes even be punished for it. That happens. Everybody has. I've screwed up a number of times. I have made mistakes and slipped up my share of times, believe me. And I'm sure you have too. But I really think there's a certain precedent that has been set when it comes to, like I said, all the participation trophies and there are no losers and all this other stuff, which kind of leads to this whole sense of wanting people to pay their fair share or corporations are bad or rich people are bad and all of that. And here's what I think is the, the weird message that has been sent and that kids, frankly, I think are, are lapping up this whole sense of they have it. Why don't I, especially when it comes to money and this whole redistribute the wealth or pay your fair share in taxes and all that, which I, I only think is silly. Now, granted, I'm not rich, nowhere near, but I understand that more or less rich people, people with money, people who make eight figures a year or hell, even six figures a year who can easily become millionaires depending on what they know about money and how to invest and, and all this other stuff. But people who make money oftentimes have earned it. There's this pervasive belief that anyone who's rich has cheated people and stepped on people and all of that. But there are people who have earned money legitimately who are rich who pay a ton in taxes And I think it's funny, this whole discussion of you need to pay your fair share when these people who obviously have nothing to do and nowhere to be so they can sit on Wall Street and play with their iPhone and their laptop and all that because they don't have a job to go to or anything. And they want to sit and complain about how other people need to pay their fair share when they're paying in nothing or chances are very little. I'm going to say most people who are all for having the rich pay their fair share and all that probably make five figures a year probably making, let's say, less than $50,000 a year, and they expect they should earn more regardless of the fact that they probably haven't done anything to earn more. They don't have that. There's no bar that has been set because same thing. Everybody's a winner. Everybody's at the same level, so there's no sense of needing to try harder than the other person because the belief is that everybody is equal. Yet, the person who made $20 million last year, who's probably, I'm just throwing numbers out there. I don't, I can't substantiate this with any evidence, but if I'm to understand how the tax code goes normally for people, if they're making $20 million, that would put them in a 50%-ish tax bracket and they're paying $10 million in taxes. And that's more than most of these protesters would be paying in, in taxes in their lifetime. So this whole concept of paying a fair share seems pretty ridiculous in as much as, well, who's putting more money in? 
is the person who's paying $10 million in taxes a year, they're putting in more in that year than a lot of people are in their lifetime. And a lot of these these kids and these protests with this whole pay your fair share nonsense. And at the same time, it sends another strange message, which is don't don't get rich. Don't make too much money. Because then if you aspire to be rich, you're going to say, hey, wait a minute. Everyone's going to be sticking me for tax money and telling me to pay my fair share. So now you're going to have a crop of people who don't want to grow up and be rich or don't want to strive to be rich because they don't want people on their lawn demanding that they pay more taxes or or whatever it is. However it is, they're, they're trying to protest to very loosely use the word because, I mean, what, what's the motivation to get rich then? If it's, oh, people are just going to complain they need to pay more taxes or, well, if I get rich, I'm going to have to pay all these taxes. I might as well not aspire to be rich. And there's this supposed honor that comes with being poor or not being well-to-do. And there's this sense of evil. It's, it's funny. And you, you hear this a lot, especially with the election last year. You hear a lot about the elite and how the elite, can't relate to you and I or the average American or all this other stuff. But it's weird how this term elite only gets thrown around when it comes to rich people, people who know overall, it seems, how to handle money. Meanwhile, if you needed to have a a brain operation, if you needed brain surgery, you'd want an elite surgeon to handle it. If you had to have your car repaired, you would want somebody who's way qualified to repair your car. You wouldn't want to bring it to some guy with a set of tools in an alley who's charging you 20 bucks to fix your car. Or you wouldn't want to go to, let's say, a a C-grade brain surgeon. You would want to go for the best person. So there's this whole sense of the elite is bad when it comes to rich people. So it all sends this strange message about how all these things are bad. Being rich is bad, so don't aspire to be rich and protest the rich because they need to pay their fair share, what other people deem as their fair share, which, like I said, is ridiculous when you think about what they're probably paying in during the year compared to what the average earner, for lack of a better term, I'm not using that in a condescending way, just for lack of a better term, the the blue-collar worker, let's say, would be paying in probably during their lifetime if they're making, like I said, about five figures a year. So I think this all breaks down to how society is evolving in this weird way and for me to say oh it's going down the tubes or or use one of those well-worn phrases as far as hey this isn't how it was when I was growing up it probably sounds ridiculous and it may be weird for me to say but I do think overall when it comes to just having like I said when it comes to younger people going out there and getting jobs anyone who's a teenager now or anyone who was born in the 21st century to kind of paint it with a very uh, broad stroke. I think in the next 10 to 20 years, as a result of job constraints and outsourcing, or not so much job constraints, that's not the best term to use, but as far as uh, there being less jobs, more people who need jobs, or more college graduates going out into the world and not being able to get a job, particularly for their major, which has been going on for ages. It's certainly nothing new. But I think after so many years of seeing College graduates who have four-year degrees, finishing school, having to move back in with their parents, and then work at Starbucks because they can't get a job in whatever field their degree is in, I think there's going to be a point where colleges are going to start to shrink in as much as not as many students are going to be going away to college because a four-year degree isn't going to be worth what it was. It's not worth what it was 
for, let's say, my parents' generation. My parents were both born in the 40s, graduated high school in the 60s. Oh, my father would have been 50, 1959, I guess, or 1960, considering when he was born. But not everyone went to college back then, so it was a bigger deal if you did. Four-year degrees are getting way more common. Even when I graduated high school in 2000, I was even concerned about it. Frankly, it's one of the reasons I joined the Marine Corps when I graduated high school because I thought ah, going to college just doesn't seem to be enough because I had seen older people. My sister was still in college at that point, so I wasn't using her as an example, but just people I knew or older siblings of friends of mine or what have you, they were graduating college and moving back home and getting a job in a liquor store or something like that because they just couldn't get a job in their field without knowing any of their qualifications or their work ethic or anything like that. But just on the surface, it struck me, even when I was 18, back in the year 2000, it struck me that, oh, going to college isn't necessarily going to get you anything. Also, I didn't know what I was going to be majoring in or what I wanted to get a bachelor's degree in. So I wasn't necessarily keen on it. So I gravitated toward the military because I was looking for some kind of edge, something that would help me down the line. Lo and behold, several of my friends who went in the military following high school, uh, it, it, frankly, it didn't serve them too well in as much as it didn't prove to be an asset unless they wanted to be a security guard or a state trooper somewhere. If they wanted to get out into the workforce or do anything beyond graduating college because they had the GI Bill with which they can go to college, like used to pay for their college tuition. The military service itself didn't seem to do too much good. If anything, it might have been a hindrance because they were now going to college at 22, 23. So when they're graduating, they're now in their late 20s and they're competing with kids who are 22 who just graduated and hiring tends to skew younger and younger. And if there are jobs people get out of college, like certain retailers I used to work for who would just snap kids up if they graduated from college, regardless of whether or not they had experience, they were more keen to hire a kid who's younger who they could pay less, but what still seems like a good wage by comparison, than let's say one of my friends who was graduating college at 26 or 27. Anyway, all of it comes down to, let's say, supply and demand. More people have bachelor's degrees, so they don't mean as much. And I think over time, as, this, as the future lays out, as I said, in the next 10 or 20 years, less kids will be inclined to go to college because they're going to say, oh, these degrees don't really get me anywhere. A lot of times, college experience can lead to internships, which could lead to jobs. But considering it was this past... It was, I forget what it was, a percentage from, I believe this past May or this past spring, it was prior to uh, college graduations last month. I believe it was, if I'm remembering correctly and I can't quote it, but it was a staggering number, something like 80% of law school graduates, which yes, I realize is more than just having the four-year degree, but still law school graduates, something like 80% of them wouldn't be able to get jobs in law firms because there aren't that many jobs because apparently... Seems there are just that many lawyers and there aren't as many spots open. So here's somebody who sunk in at that point, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars and six to eight years of school, depending. I'm not 100% sure what the breakdown is as far as the time frame with going to law school. And I'm sure some people had to do that and work to pay for it because it's not as if anybody can afford to just go to school for eight years. Not these days. But looking at something like that, it makes you wonder, was it worth it? If you can get a job, perhaps it's worth it, but that's what I mean. When you see these examples, anyone who's 13 now might take notice that, well, why am I going to go to college? Because it doesn't seem like having a college degree is going to offer any jobs, which is funny because it's so contrary to, I mean, like I said, when I was in high school in the 90s, 
the belief was go to college, get your four-year degree so you can get a good job for a big company and then your life will be set. It was basically the the uh, example that was put out there or at least what, what was thought to be the the safe option. Meanwhile, these days, and these days meaning 2013 or even the last few years, let's say post-fall uh, 2008 when the economy took a dive and when unemployment numbers went up and there seems to be, it seemed to be less jobs and more cutbacks and all that other stuff. In light of that, there were less jobs, I think. And, and same thing with the, the increasing number of college graduates coming out of school, hence making bachelor's degrees more common. It seems that the jobs that you, at least, like I said, when I was going through high school, the jobs that it was thought to maybe stay away from, like being a plumber or electrician, those are the jobs that seem to be doing well now. Jobs that are more in demand because who doesn't need a plumber? Come on. It's not as if toilets are going anywhere anytime soon. It's certainly going to be in demand for quite a long time. Or electricians, especially with the volume of electronics that we have. Yes, there may be greener electronics and that your LED TV might use less power than a big boxy square TV did 10 years ago. But you still have more devices. You still need to charge your cell phone every day or you still need to plug in multiple computers because it's not as if every home just has one computer. There are multiple computers, desktop computers. Some people have laptops. There are tablets that need to be charged. Just There's more of a demand for electricity now. So when you think about it, they would have been smarter than going to college. I mean, again, all my opinion would have been smarter to pursue a trade like plumbing or being an electrician than it would have been to go to college just by virtue of the fact that those jobs are still consistently in demand. And based on something, like I said, that that survey of uh, law students who were graduating who didn't have jobs, I mean, that's, that's staggering. Even when you look at college graduates in general, yeah, a lot of times they unfortunately move back home and have to get a job at Starbucks or something like that. And they owe $60,000 to a college. And yeah, there's also that part of you that may say, well, is it worth it? Is it worth the money? Is it worth it to bet on my future like this in as much as, um, or I should say, borrow against your future? Because it is a lot to have to pony up in the end. And as somebody who started paying school loans five years ago after I graduated school, it's, I, I don't regret my time at school. And granted, I went to a trade school, Musicians Institute, that is and became a better musician, not that that's necessarily going to pay the bills. And even to have it pay the bills, it's it's tough. And I knew enough professional musicians going into this that I knew it was going to be difficult. And uh, even though I have yet to make my living playing music, and it's less than likely that I will, especially with the way things are going, especially when it comes to monetizing music these days in the era where everything seems to be given away for free, it's, it's definitely difficult. It's not something that I would imagine... I will be making my living doing, but I still don't regret it at all. And while I may cringe a bit when it's time to log online, because don't have to write checks anymore, <laughs> but when it's time to log on and make that student loan payment or several student loan payments a month, I don't regret it because I love doing it and I enjoyed it. It was great to be able to play guitar every day for a year and a half. Oh, it was awesome. And I became a much better musician. So I don't regret it personally. And there may be college graduates who, when it comes time for them to pay their student loans as well, maybe they'll say, well, it was worth it because I did whatever in college or it could just be the college experience that they take away from it or the friends that they'll have for life. So there may be some who look at it and say it was worth the investment. 
But that's only in hindsight. Looking forward, there could very well be a lot of kids in middle school or junior high, depending what you call it, or high school saying, is it going to be worth all this money when they look around and see people older than them, like I did, now more than ever when it's harder to get a job and having a college degree is not enough. So I do have a theory that in the next 10 to 20 years, we'll definitely see, I don't know if schools are going to be just straight up closing down or if it's going to come to the point where maybe majors will be eliminated because there are more useless majors out there that, come on, most of the time, if you have a degree in some of these majors you have to declare, it doesn't actually mean anything. You can get in a degree in business something, which it seems everybody has, or you can get a retail job considering certain uh, retail chains out there. If you have a degree in business something, apparently you're qualified more so than the person who's worked there for so many years. That's a whole other story. And that's something I'm sure I'll elaborate on uh, more in the future because friends of mine, not me, friends of mine have had experiences where they had degrees and they had experience, but they, because of their age, they weren't getting considered over someone who was 22 and fresh out of school who would take uh, the job they were offered to just because, hey, you're getting offered a job straight out of college. It doesn't happen to a lot of people. Take it. But are schools going to be narrowing down their majors? Are there going to be less enrollees? Enrollees, is that the right word? Are there going to be less people enrolling in college? Less high school graduates enrolling? Because it seems these days, the older you are, particularly if you're, say, middle-aged, people tend to go back to school now to get certified in something else. Maybe they lost their job. Maybe they're getting downsized or they're on the chopping block because it seems now any kind of tenure seems to be more of a liability now with a lot of jobs because the longer you're there, the more they have to pay you. And especially if you don't know technology, if you don't know your way around a computer or these various computer applications you need to know because it's on every single job application. Certainly everyone I filled out over the last two years requires that you know various Windows and or Mac software in order to be able to do anything. You see a lot of people who are going back to school, maybe going to community college, but they're trying to get certified or to learn something different because whatever they've been doing career-wise up to this point in their life until they're in their 40s or 50s, it's not good enough or they've somehow fallen behind. So I think you may get some of that in as much as people might take night courses People might go to get certifications in, let's say, Microsoft Office, and I'm sure there are a variety of Apple certification courses that you can take as well, but I don't know if kids are going to graduate high school and go off to college anymore because it's more of a gamble now, I'd say, than anything else. So, frankly, that's about it. Just a couple of items that I looked at concerning the future, just in light of, like I said, listening to the shows and just taking in information in general uh, I don't have a uh, only in Los Angeles bit for this episode only because there wasn't really anything that uh, correlated with this train of thought that I've had during this last half hour or so. But yeah, these are only my opinions. I'm open to the suggestion that I could be wrong. You can, of course, feel free to comment on this episode at chrisabala.com. And uh, here's the plugging part of the show. You can tell I'm wrapping it up now because I'm now telling you where to go. But you can comment on the show itself. You can email the show at capethepodcast at gmail.com or me because obviously I check the email because it's my show, isn't it? Tweet at capepod on Twitter and follow the show on Facebook. 
look for Chris Abal's podcast experiment. And yeah, chrisabal.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-B-A-L-L-O. Maybe you agree, maybe you don't. I'm certainly open to other people's feedback and suggestions and thoughts about it because this is just something that's occurred to me recently, all these thoughts. And I, hey, I'm only 31. I'm not necessarily an old uh, bitter curmudgeon who's saying, oh, you know what, kids today have it, so blah, blah, blah. But I'm thinking with the convenience and the immediacy that something like online porn gives kids, <laughs> maybe this is a this is a Freakonomics way of, of looking at things. But I think that on top of what seems to be more of a shrinking job market and this whole uh, protesting the rich pay your fair share in taxes and they have it why shouldn't I that kind of that sentiment that seemed to seems to be very pervasive among youth today uh, just all these thoughts that thought kind of came together as far as looking toward the future so there we go I'm certainly not a futurist which is such a funny title that uh, I don't know how you get that title necessarily because uh, nobody knows what the future holds Look at it this way. I'm sure there were people in 2006 who thought, wow, it's not going to get bigger than MySpace. Or why would anyone want to only send out 140 character microblogs? That sounds ridiculous. So I, I, I don't know. Nobody knows exactly what the future is. So I think the whole title of futurist is, is a little silly. But hey, they're out there. So whatever. What do I know? I'm just a podcaster. Look at it that way. Anyway, thank you for listening to the show. And as always, check out the only podcast that matters on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Blackberry Podcasts, Beyond Pod. You can subscribe on iTunes, give us five stars, write a little review. And uh, same thing for Chris Abal's podcast experiment. Only on iTunes right now, but still in the submitting process to these various other apps. And now there's a, there's a good stock of episodes. It makes sense to start connecting them. But this is only a, a bi-weekly show. So I figured I'd wait until there were at least a couple episodes posted before submitting them and just having eh, just one episode sitting there and then 12 days goes by and it's, well, I guess he stopped doing this new show already. No, it's every two weeks. It's every other Monday. Anyway, check out both shows, like and listen to both shows. And as I said, I welcome your feedback on anything I'm saying on this. Thank you very much for listening to my opinions on the future and feel free to tell me I'm wrong. Until next time, this is Chris Abalo, and this is only an experiment.